0: Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina, Board Certified Psychiatrist in South Florida. Are you ready to take the couch? Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina. Are you ready to take the couch? Hey, hey, hey guys, it's Time. It's that time again. It's Sunday night. You know, it's time for a, another new episode of the Brain Love Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Dalvina Thomas, a board-certified psychiatrist in South Florida. Every Sunday night, we do this together, man. You know, you guys take the couch with me, and we go down these paths of understanding and just hashing out some mental health stuff together. Everything under the umbrella of mental health and wellness is discussed on this show. And tonight is is no different than any any other night. Um, This is the last Sunday of the month. June is Black Music Month. And we are on the verge of National Minority Mental Health Awareness Month, which begins July 1st. And I wanted to try to merge the two, bring the two together. And, and so I'm starting, I'm ending June and starting July with a special guest tonight. His name is Michael Phillips. Mike Phillips. Mike Phillips is his name. And um, he is um, a world-renowned saxophonist who is unique because he merges, he brings together generations of people and he reintroduces jazz to some and introduces it to many because jazz is is um is a genre of music that we have lost along the way there was a time when jazz was like the go-to everyone was in the jazz spots and the jazz lounges and Just hanging out and enjoying music Just enjoying that hashtag music therapy You hear in my background right now A man by the name of Charlie Parker Charlie Parker, a.k.a. Yardbird, a.k.a. Bird He was born in 1920 and died 35 years later In 1955 in New York City, New York, man so he died five years after my father was born and a year after my mama was born. He, too, was a saxophonist. He played the saxophone. He was a band leader. And, um, and I'm bringing him up because he, as well as some others that you'll hear in my interview tonight, they were musical geniuses who also suffered with mental illness and mental health challenges. So Bird... As well as Billie Holiday, Phyllis Hyman, Miles Davis, just to name a few from that early 20th century. These were folks who are well known in the music industry, um, in the world of jazz and blues. Billie Holiday um, was a singer, and she uh, in 1959 had an originally titled album, Billie Holiday. She was born in 1915, five years prior to Charlie Parker, and lived only to the age of 30, excuse me, 44, pardon me. She lived to the age of 44. She died in 1959. And she was an American jazz and a swing music singer. Her nickname was Lady Day. She was also whew, just very impactful for our culture, not just with music, but also in the civil rights movement, um, she made tunes that were provocative for the majority, for white folks. Some of these uh, songs that she made were actually actually banned from some of the the clubs and the lounges because they were seen as controversial and. Um, caused an uproar in the community, in the white community mainly, of course. Billie Holiday served time in prison. Um, She, too, suffered with addiction. You'll hear us talk about Billie Holiday um, as well as, again, Charlie Parker. We also know that Billie Holiday loved her doggies, man. And so I just want to give a plug for all the dog lovers out there. And the animal lovers, animal therapy, dog therapy, emotional support animals, where would we be without some of our lovable pets? So we're going to get into a discussion. Mike Phillips is here tonight. We are going to talk about his new album, which is coming out in July. He dropped his first single already from the album. It dropped a Friday preceding Juneteenth, which was last weekend. He... uh created his version of Lift Every Voice, a.k.a. the Black National Anthem. So, guys, come on in and join us on the couch. Okay, guys, guess who is on my couch? I have Mike Phillips.
1: (laughs) I guess I could say I'm on the couch.
0: Hey, hi, Mike.
1: How you doing? How you feel?
0: I'm peachy keen. I'm peachy keen. How are you?
1: Oh man, I'm plum tuckered. <laughs> and since, and since you want to use using Wally Cleaver, um, <laughs> leave it to references.
0: We we peachy and we plum, but yeah. no, seriously, thank you so much for joining me on the couch. And actually, let me back up. Are you ready to take the couch?
1: Well, um. Whether if I'm ready or not, I'm on it. So um, stay ready, be ready. So I guess I am ready.
0: Okay, that's what I like to hear. You are a musical genius and geniuses. You guys are always, well, yeah, you're always creative and you're always ready for the hard stuff. So I I know that you're ready. Before we get into the interview, do you know where I took that? (laughs) Phillips, you're a sports fans I know you should know this
1: I have no 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 idea
0: (laughs) you're not gonna do me like this so you know I follow you I know that you're a sports fan you love basketball you love football you play at football and basketball games you played the national anthem and I'm sure you remember the bad boys the Detroit Pistons Thompson, oh, but, but, but
1: Phillips. okay 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 there you go I right. that's what's up I've, that one went <laughs> over my head but when you once you tied it back in it made all the sense in the world
0: <laughs> all right all right that's what's up again thank you so much for joining me on the couch tonight so that we could talk about your new album that's coming out but also talk about your um, dedication not to just musical therapy but just to um, sharing your musical talents with the world you've been all over the world Um, and you also are I will call you a mental health advocate as well
1: well I just you know if you understand the power of music and you're a musician then you're kind of like automatically a mental health advocate because the music fills the souls of people and makes them feel better it makes them dance it puts them in a different perspective when you look at that that's a lot of power that is a lot of power to have something that can flow through you that can be absorbed by someone that might not be having the best day but that music can shift the paradigm so yeah to a certain extent musicians are exactly that
0: Yeah, yeah, and in case folks didn't know, June is Men's Health Awareness Month, but besides June being Men's Health Awareness Month, June is also Black Music Month, followed by July. July is Minority Mental Health Awareness Month, so we have two consecutive months of, and, and listen, I'm not suggesting that we only talk about minority mental health in July, it would be like me saying to only talk about mental health awareness during the month of May this is what I do, this is what we do, this is what people who are in tune with themselves, if you will, people think about mental health and wellness on a continuous basis and we want other folks to do the same thing because brain love, as you guys know, that is the the term that I coined, brain love is an essential thing in life and it just makes things a lot easier and makes it more manageable in life. So July is Minority Mental Health Awareness Month and July is the month that you're dropping your first album yeah. i'm sorry your new album i didn't mean to say first album your new album
1: yeah you have like you got me in these streets like a
0: <laughs> i did not mean to musically demote you my bad. Oh,
1: that's a, like chauncey chauncey boo. This first year he. i wouldn't even think chauncey started his first year so okay
0: i never i never said he started in his first year so you're not gonna do me like that my sports iq is a little better than that
1: Oh man, nah, I hear you. But you you know what? Um there is such a correlation between um mental health, music, and uh, what you said is important because yo, I wake up and I'm black every single day. When um. I wake up tomorrow, I'm gonna be black. All of the issues that come around my existence. Either I'm going to have to recognize it and deal with it, or it's going to deal with me. But living in America, you will get it one way or the other. So um, being a musician that's more, but that's attuned, uh, attuned to the things that affect me as a Black man, I have to live it every day. So why not live it through your art? Uh mm-hmm. huh hmm.
0: Yeah. We know that music is a staple in the black communities, you know, um, through hymns and church, but also just in the household. You get up Saturday morning, you're cleaning in the house. Mama's playing Tyrone Davis, a little Aretha Franklin, some Otis Redding. Oh, um, you,
1: you're naming the joints right now. Oh, my goodness.
0: Listen, I have a musical note on the back of my on the back of my neck for a reason. It is not because I can sing, but just because I, I love music. I love what it does for me. I love what it, how it, how it calms my soul. And it's also nostalgic. It brings back so many memories for me. Um, so that's why we're having this conversation so we can connect the two. And and we've done this before in the past, but um, music starting, you know, three, 400 years ago um, during slavery in the early 1950s, uh, Century with Harriet Tubman. Wait in the water.
1: <laughs> okay, no. Why did you laugh? That sounded good. You were you were on key. And did everything. it?
0: Yeah. Really? So maybe I'm an alto. Maybe oh. I should just stay in the alto zone.
1: Yeah, stay. Yeah. Once you start getting high, that's when it can all go awry.
0: That's when it yeah. goes wrong, huh? Uh huh. So what's the drop date for your new album in July?
1: Um, July eighth. Um, which is Friday. Um, I'm Mm -hmm. really looking forward to this album because um, I think I went into my full bag, meaning like if I'm responsible for absorbing and understanding some versatile things that come into play as far as my understanding of the music and the execution of it technically through my musicianship, then why not come out with an album that kind of like exhibits that? So, man, I got fusion. I got s- slow, sexy joints. I got up tempo. I got things that represent um, a level of straight ahead. I got, you know, smoother contemporary jazz. I got something that feels like hip hop. So, I'm really proud of this album because of how diverse it is. Mm. Mm
0: -mm -mm. did you realize it was minority mental health awareness month when you selected the month for your drop
1: no i didn't but when you when you put it all together and Mm -hmm. you know you i realized that it was then it's a perfect um segue from um you know you look at black music month um and it rolls right into that because at the end of the day we can pick a month throughout the whole year you know we got 12 months let's make something something but the (laughs) the celebration of me my beautiful color the melanin the struggles the pain the generational trauma that we have to um that we have to understand exists. Yeah. And then we can deal with it through music. We can deal with it through therapy. So, you know, being Black is beautiful, but there's a responsibility that comes along with being Black too, which is understand that you cannot dip and dodge the trauma that comes from the generational aspect of what it is to live in America.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And so speaking of generational traumas and being Black in America, Friday, June 17th, you dropped your first single. This was the Friday preceding Juneteenth. What inspired that first single? For folks who are not aware, if you didn't listen to my podcast last week, if you're not following me on Instagram and um, seen my post in the story about Mike's first single from this new album. It is his rendition of the Black National Anthem, aka Lift Every Voice. What inspired this first single, Mike?
1: Well, Lift Every Voice, I was extremely surprised. Um, I did the um, Pocono 500 NASCAR. So, you know, we had to do it virtually because um, because of the pandemic, no one could show up at the track. So, um, I'm a vice president of Fox, he hits me up and he is like, you know, we really want you to play and so I'm, I'm like, this is interesting now, you know, everything that happened with Bubba Wallace and then, you know, people fighting to make sure that they keep the Confederate flag at the race. And then a week later you call me to play the anthem. I'm like, what a coincidence. Hmm. Should I do it? Should I not? So I consulted two people that that are anchors on ESPN, two polar opposite um, perspectives. One said, do it, one says no. So I went ahead and did it. And I said, you know what, just not as a form of protest, but as a form of solidarity to know that through the struggles of what we have to go through black people and people being proud to be Amer- American and people, black people that served in the military that are great police officers that look like me. I said, you know what? I'm going to do this anthem, but I'm going to put a little dash of seasoning of lift every voice and sing on it. I did it. I asked the guy at Fox. I was like, um, I was like, hey, um, did you like the rendition? And I'm going to use his voice. He said, yes. And, and the jazzy intro at the beginning was really great. <laughs> yo, yo, Doc, I was like, word. Your mans and them don't even know it's Lift Every Voice and Sing. So I called them again. I said, is, is everything good? Did I, was the timing good? He says, yeah, this is great. And I'm telling you, that intro at the beginning, it really rocks. <laughs> Yo, I was like, okay. So I turned the Fox. I said, I got my popcorn. I said, I'm going to watch this myself. So sure enough, the keyboard players play in the beginning of Lift Every Voice and Sing. And everybody in that stadium has their hand over their heart and not knowing that they're, that, that they're listening to, listening to, lift every voice, and sing. So from that, I want you know, when you have times like that where you have to educate people. Uh, Mob Deep had the song ain't no such thing of, of halfway crooks. I'm not going to halfway educate you. I'm going to come right back around and come out with the whole song to let you know what these words are and the significance of this song to people of color, Black people, but also how, these, how this song can be a roadmap to the fairness and the equality that America is fighting to achieve.
0: Mm, that's right. A round of applause for you for using your platform, for using your platform in such a way um, to leverage Black folks in America, and especially at a NASCAR race. Uh, yeah, that's so crazy. So,
1: so people can you can do Black people, you can do Black stuff in front of Black people all the time. You know that's comfortable. I went into NASCAR the week after they got mad that they couldn't fly these flags, and I did some Black stuff in front of mad white people. <laughs> so yeah, I you know you got to have a high level of I do not care to yeah. to get that done and you know what I, at the time I don't because at the end of the day I think we're all vessels of educational moments that sometimes lack of courage will not let come to fruition mm. love it love it love
0: it you know, if this were in the 1850s, 1860s that you did that, they would be talking about lynching your black ass. But,
1: okay, okay. Uh, you know. That, that turn the one, one of y'all going down. <laughs> for real. All
0: right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for what you did. Thank you for that. Um, how long have you been playing the saxophone? Was it the first instrument that you chose or did the saxophone choose you? Did you know the sax was in- immediately for you?
1: I, you know what? I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I think music chose me. Um, four years old, my mother had a, a little record player and she had, um, you know, I think it was One Nation Under the Groove or one of those joints, one of those funk joints. And I had my own record player and my mother used to have house parties in the apartment. And I didn't want her to take that record, so I hid it under the couch. So my mother was <laughs> at like age Where's...
0: four. Yeah. At age my... four. <laughs> exactly.
1: Because I loved the sound of it and I didn't want anybody to wow. take it away from me. So like my mother was like, Where's that Paul? bit record. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so after that, I just I felt such a profound connection to the music. Once um, once I got to the age of ten, and they said, "Well, we're gonna, um, who wants to join the band?" I said, "Me." And the time that I put my lips on that horn and struggled, even though it was a struggle at first, there was there was love inside of the struggle. And here we go. Um, decades later, I'm still loving it, like I'm still like infatuated with the first time I ever laid eyes on the horn and play any type of melody so here we go i'm after 10 years old i am still in love with this horn
0: yeah the universe set you up properly um you know i can tell from hearing someone speak hearing someone sing hearing someone play watching someone's movements what they do when they seem to be Ordained to do something. Um, and the universe, you're you're from money earning Mount Vernon. And being from that area, it's a musical place. There are a lot of greats who came from that area. And um, and I think that's probably one of the biggest influences for you is being from Mount Vernon.
1: Yeah, I think the water. And and you know what? I had some great visuals. I'm playing basketball in the park and I remember heavy D he had a brown Cherokee and then he had um, some work and it said heavy on the back. And every time he would stop at the corner store, we would run and stop playing basketball. And it was like, yo, yo, what's up Dwight with Dwight. Oh, Heavy D I'll be sure the same way. And then, you know, puff living down the homestead, Pete rock, um, right down the street, CL smooth was, in the house next to me so uh, across the
0: street wow so meanwhile
1: meanwhile i'm playing um cl (laughs) was across the street writing rhymes Whoa! um so yeah so even though i wasn't in the hip-hop you got to understand that the love of watching someone that was close to you make Mm. it was something yes. that that really encouraged me to really go full blast with this music thing because look how many people around me are doing it. And not only that, we Mount Vernon is only four square miles. So everybody was supportive and encouraging when I came out and started playing. CL and Pete took me to the studio one day and wow. we, did a, we cut a demo. Um, Jeff Red when his hit was still out, he was still going to the laundromat around the corner, washing his clothes. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was a tight community. So um, when you're around it, and I say to all this time, what you'll see is what you'll be. And I'm happy that I got a chance to see so much that allowed the journey for me to be it a little bit easier.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well-spoken. So well-described. You know, when I think about New York, I've never lived there. I've been there several times. And of course, I've seen many movies that are based um, out of New York. I think about Brown Sugar. I think about Mo' Better Blues, you know, the Harlem um, jazz Harlem, scene. Harlem
1: Nights? Uh,
0: I don't think about Harlem Nights, no, but <laughs> I think more so
1: about... What about Vampire in Brooklyn? <laughs>
0: you are you are now, not going the plan, to answer my <laughs> <laughs> okay he is a comedian that is his second job his first job is world-renowned saxophonist second job <laughs> is comedian
1: um i'm on, I'm on the couch so I ain't, I ain't got nothing else to say let me just stay on this couch and mind my business
0: Yes, no, no, it's cool, it's cool. But maybe, you know, I'm going to movies that are based on romance, could be that, yes. you know?
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: Mo' Better Blues, Brown Sugar, and it's romance and the music is a big part of the movie, but also like the Spike Lee joints, you know? Just, so you guys being from that area, it influenced who you were greatly, you know? The nature and the nurture thing, just having that in your DNA, growing up in that, seeing it, like you said, being a part of that scene every day, living that scene. And I believe that's what makes you so unique. Um, You just mentioned some of the greatest um, flowicists, the hip hop artists. Um, You were heavily influenced by hip hop. You grew up during the, during the eighties. Yes. I'm I'm not asking you to give away your age, but.
1: I think the golden age of hip hop was like late Late the mid '80s to yes. like that that
0: '80
1: yes. that '87 to '98 was so crazy. So here's some here's a fun fact. Um, and you can look up this picture. Um, Rockham wow. played in the jazz band. Wow, Rockem got MC. You can look up say if you look up look it up right now. Rockham jazz band in Harlem. He played baritone sax. So when you hear don't <laughs> don't <laughs> I ain't no joke. I used to let the mic smoke because his connection to music allowed him to be who he was, so yeah, Rockham was rocking, I think he was in all i think he was in the all city band, so none of us yeah. knew that he was gonna be rockham god MC but yo it our community was so dope, man
0: yeah. Yeah, and that's what again. That's what makes you so unique as a as a jazz artist. Your sound is so smooth. Um, you perfect your art. When folks are gifted with a talent, we all know people who are, um, what I would say are cleaners, right? And if people are familiar with this term, you know what I'm saying. When you're a cleaner, it's not enough to just be. Um, to just be gifted.
1: No, you can't it's be It's not be enough. Gifted. You
0: gotta, yeah, you have you to work. continuously work on your art. Yeah.
1: I still practice. Sometimes I pull up my horn, I, I practice two hours a day. I remember this kid and he's doing really well now, working with Kanye, just bought his third house. He played with me and he came in. He's really talented, but he didn't know the parts. Um, he was a keyboard player. So, I sat the band down and sent them to the lunch. And I said, you know what? There are two things I hate to waste um, independently. And you allowed me to waste them collectively, which is time and money. So mm-hmm. the band went to lunch. He paid the bill. And I looked him in the eye and I said, don't ever use your God-given gift as a crutch for being unprepared. Mm. So, so talent Talent is one thing, you know, so it, just like you said, the cleaners, we ain't trying yeah. to we ain't trying to just be talented because there's uh-uh. a, the, the talent should be the icing on the cake, but the infrastructure, the cake, the ingredients should be the work. And I think a lot of people get get it twisted because what you see, what seems might look so easy. I'm uh, 2000 20,000 hours of practice, at least. So when I'm on the stage, like the gift is also working with the work. Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah, you have you have the perfect riffs, man, your riffs are perfect. And that's because you are a true cleaner, you are a cleaner. Um, Let's talk about your musical influencers. Do not give away the big three. There is a big three, folks, and I'm not talking about basketball. He has worked with, played with, toured with the big three. Don't give away the big three yet, but tell us who are some of your musical influencers,
1: man. Ken, so <clears throat> growing up, there were two stations. They were all on the they were on separate dials. So WBLS was 107.5. So you hear Mr. Magic and MC Shan, Molly Mall, DJ Red Alert. So you got all of the new hip hop joints when MC Light came out, KRS One, LL. And then I'll have to turn all the way down to the opposite dial and go to eighty nine point nine, which is the Columbia University station. And I'm listening to Charlie Parker, Dexter Gordon, um, Ramsey Lewis, um, Duke Ellington, Oscar Peterson. So what was so crazy? is that I kept on going back and forth between these two stations. So my influences range from African Bambada to like um, G Rap to Wu-Tang to Charlie Parker, Sonny Stitt, Sonny Rollins, Onet Coleman, Faro Sanders, Duke Ellington, Ella Fitzgerald. So all of this is such, it has such a profound um, effect on what triggers me to be so excited to acquire the knowledge from what's what they left in their legacy.
0: Mm, yeah. Yeah, when we talk about legacy and um and history you mentioned Charlie Parker again guys June is is Black Music Month, July is Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. If you don't know about Charlie Parker aka Yardbird aka Bird, please please read about him, learn about Charlie Parker. Um, Charlie Parker had a history of mental health challenges, including addiction. Uh, Mike, a year ago, you, Will Downing, Camille, Banksley, and myself, we did a live on IG. This was during a pandemic. We were talking about mental health. And again, you know, um, hashtag music therapy was woven in, uh, woven in, pardon me. You played your sax. Well, Downing did a little bit of singing. How did the pandemic change you or your mu- musical efforts? How did it affect you? What was your pivot like?
1: Well, well, it just exposed the alley cat that I already was. <laughs> yeah, I like you know we're we're not. Um, I'm not in the penthouse with um, fur from a Persian cat eating Frisky's buffet out of real crystal because some of the artists, they, all you had to do was exist and the work would come. And when the pandemic came, everything dried up. So guess what? Um, The Persian cats with the inflated sense of self-worth, they stayed in their penthouse and all of a sudden they get groomed four times a week. And then it went down to two. And then all of a sudden it went down to one. And then all of a sudden, they they wouldn't get groomed for maybe like a month at a time, and that they started getting mangy out in them streets. Now that now the <laughs> alley cats they hustle, and I know the alley cats: Eric Robeson, Leela James, Avery Sunshine. Like we're out here hustling. So the pandemic created a wedge between the Persian cats and the alley cats. So now, okay. You might not be eating like you used to in COVID, but man, you're like, you kick over that garbage can. Okay. You got to have a piece of fish, some chicken, some bread, whatever, <laughs> but you know, you're you making a living. Like that Persian cat is up there in the East river and don't even know that their they're owner oh, about to get um, evicted. Mm-hmm. And you're sitting mm-hmm. around and you're waiting for something to happen to you instead of you going out there and getting it. So the pandemic created this dope wedge between the alley cats. Really? Uh, Eric would tell me, Eric Robinson, Hey ma'am, I'm doing a live. Can you get on D nice? Yo, what's up? D nice. Take my page. And I want you to perform on Sundays. Call it CQ jazz. Raheem. I'll come on and do something with him. We were hustling. So. The, the pandemic really created um, something that I realized that existed in me, which is the hustle and the ability to morph, change, adapt, and, and mentally kind of like adapt too. Because here's the thing, when you see all of your dates, and this is a great correlation with mental health, when you see all of your dates disappear, and you don't know where your dough is coming from if your money is exclusively coming from performing live, that is a game changer. So being a domesticated um Persian cat would not help because now I don't got no nails. I can't climb up a tree, I can't, get <laughs> a you know, Clyde Davis or whatever big label that's funding you cut all your nails, and now they tell you to go out there <laughs> and fend for yourself. So if you are a Persian cat and you're in the alley and in, in, in the nighttime with me and Raheem or Eric Robeson or Layla Hathaway, guess who's eating first? We uh-huh. are. Uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So, so, so even with D nice, he was like, yo, I asked him, I said, yo, what made you start DJing? Like, you know, you know, he made the, he's the perfect example of the pivot. He said, yo, Mike, man, I was, I was low key depressed, man. I saw all my dates leave. And The only thing I can do is get back into the love of what I know that makes me happy. And then I'm going to have to figure out the rest, but I have to right now fend for myself to make myself happy. And, you know, I got to applaud D nice because that move was in a, in a way selfish because he was spending not for everybody to be like, Oh my God, D nice is on Instagram. No, he was doing it for himself because he was struggling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: And shout out to D-Nice. I wanted to say that, that D-Nice is probably the most impactful pivot from the pandemic. D-Nice last weekend won Man of the Year. He won the Man of the Year Award with the 100 Black Men of America Incorporated. He had the most impactful pivot. Um, you know, young, the younger generation, my son and these other young millennials, they didn't know who D-Nice was at the time um, because Denice, you know, after he had his music career, he started, started doing things like photography and um, creating album covers, that sort of thing. But when the pandemic happened, D-Nice was back on the scene. And so you guys know I have this acronym, Brain Love. The I in brain stands for inside. Everything you need is inside of yourself. You just got to dig deep and find that shit.
1: Oh, No doubt. No doubt.
0: So, Mike, musical geniuses have traumas in their past. A lot of them have traumas in the past. I've listened to interviews with Mariah Carey where she talks about um, the situations that occurred in her home and how she would go to her room and go to, you know, get under her covers and sing. Um, going back to Charlie Parker, I mentioned that he was a heroin addict, as was Miles Davis, Billie Holiday. Phyllis Hyman also grappled with some substance use and uh, substance abuse. All, the four of them had alcohol abuse. Um, that was a part of their lives as well. Why do you think musicians self-medicate with substances?
1: Well, I, I just think that there's a lot of creative pressure. You know, when, when you go to school and you get your job, you might not do the best at your job, but you know that paycheck is coming yeah like you know you might mess up one week but you're good you got a union you know they protect you you ain't gonna you ain't gonna get fired fired until you do something crazy with with us we have to fight for the things that we do creatively and we got to make a living on our own that's based on the create the creative so if you know, you don't make that pivot if the sound changes and you don't change along with it, blah, blah, blah. You're one, I call it the double F syndrome. You can Mm. go feast to famine in seconds.
0: Mm.
1: And the pressure, the pressure of that is a, it's a different type of pressure. And I think that's, that contributes to um, musicians um, really going that route because of the pressure that sometimes they make look so easy that to the point where you don't think that pressure exists but it does with all of us nobody exempt from it
0: yeah yeah and i don't want to leave people with negative um thoughts about billy holiday and um these folks nina simone too was um was someone who was very impactful with her music nina simone too had mental health challenges um these queens nina simone billy holiday they were so cerebral they were cere- cerebral they used their platform to protest the issues in the black community the lynchings the discrimination our music today seems to be missing a lot of that a lot of that meaning nina simone had a a song called mississippi goddam um billy holiday uh, she also sang a lot of controversial uh, controversial music So um, just wanted to just to give them a shout out because, you know, I mentioned the addiction and the mental health challenges, but there were so many good things that overshadowed those mental health challenges. And understandably so. They were in um, a time in America when it was, you know, a a threat just to walk around and be black or to be brown or to be a person of color.
1: A threat just to exist. And that's why Mm. Josephine Baker was like, I'm out of here. I'm going to. Yes.
0: Yes. Perfect example.
1: Yeah. So Billy
0: how?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, you look at the Beyonce's of the world don't exist without these women that you mentioned and everything they've gone through just to pave the way for artistic freedom. Um, Beyonce is woke, woke. So she'll sing about whatever you want to but it comes from a place of these women. So like the next time we really want to talk about um, women's rights, we want to talk about the rights of African-Americans and and we got to look at these women, how courageous they were in that time Mm -hmm. to do that, even in the midst of America being exactly what it was back then. It's a cakewalk. It's a cakewalk now compared to what those women had to go through so they had to be women they had to be black and also they had to have the courage to fight and use their platform that is a lot of pressure
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and i can't tell you i cannot think of a recent song that is more uh controversial than strange fruit that is more impactful than billy Holiday's strange fruit yes I can't, and Roe versus Wade was overturned. We know that that just happened. And so, you know, I'm wondering, will someone make a song about it? Will someone make a, a song about, you just mentioned women's rights. So, but moving on, cause I have so many questions to ask you. Let's get into the big three, Prince, MJ, as in the King of Pop, Michael Jackson and Stevie Wonder. Um, there are some similarities between uh, a couple of these big three to the folks that I mentioned previously, Phyllis Hyman, Miles Davis, Charlie Parker, Billy Holiday, the similarity is the opioid use. You know, here we are over 100 years later, and that's still rearing its, its ugly head. What did you learn from the big three?
1: I learned that, um, gosh, they're just so elevated in the overall way. Because geniuses are geniuses. But then what takes them over the top is these specific things. So I'll briefly describe some of the specific things. Stevie can close his eyes mm-hmm. and be able to touch a piano and think about words and things that he feels. And all of a sudden, it's melodic and harmonic beauty. He does that at a drop of a dime. Michael was basically circus du, Cirque du Soleil before it existed. He always thought big. You ever see someone under the stage and then they pop out and then they come out on stage? Michael thought about that. We call it the toaster where you're down at the bottom and they hit the button and then you just come up slowly and then you look at the crowd. That was Michael's thing. He was mm. about the theatric the theatrical aspect of the musical presentation Mm -hmm. and Prince. boy, I tell you, he knew everything about everything. He would have these meetings after our shows and be like, Hey, Mike, you didn't hit your spot. If you don't stand there. (laughs) No, seriously. If you don't stand there, the light won't hit you sound, man. You didn't do this choreography. You didn't do this. Oh yeah. Guitar player. You got to upstroke your guitar and not downstroke. These meetings that he had, to really break down the show it was incredible so prince was just a overall genius almost like a spider spinning a web and he knew exactly every nuance of the web that pertained to his music and his presentation
0: i'm sure a lot of those lessons resonate with you with you today you have had some of the best Mentors, I mean, best is kind of like minimizing it, as you said. You've had creative geniuses in your life, a part of your career, you were destined to be great. Now, flipping the script here Father's Day and Juneteenth fell on the same day this year. You're a Black father, you're a Black man in America, as a mentor, right? Because we're we all should be mentees if we want to be great, if we want to be. Um, at the top of our game and what we do. We all have to be a mentee, but we should also give back and be mentors. What lessons would you pass on to Black boys in America?
1: Um, I don't want to take this, you know, for a comedic moment, but I'll show them a picture of Clarence Thomas and say, (laughs) never, ever be this dude. (laughs) i would I would take a picture of Clarence Thomas and teach them how to play darts mm. and for <laughs> for for you for you not to love and understand the plight of people and your culture i I would say just stay connected to the ancestors. The stories yeah. are already there. history don't lie and and also you know, we're always in the rush for everything and social media is a lot of perception and a little bit of actuality. So what we're looking at, we want to acquire through our eyes, but what we're looking at don't even exist in the person that's posting it because they're posting perception. So I would mm-hmm. say to a younger individual, just take your time, take your time. There. There are things that can only happen in a specific amount of time. And when the universe lines things up, you will get exactly what you deserve because of your hard work and your dedication and the universe realizing that, lining those things up for you.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. My mom used to always tell me, don't rush to get old. And there is a song uh Oh, like to
1: hear! I'd like to hear it. Here, go! Come on now. No,
0: Mama used to say, "Take Mm. your time, young Uh man." Come on, Mama used to say, "Don't you rush to get old."
1: Uh huh. Come on. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. Yes, I don't know about the notes, but you were on rhythm. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) that's one of my favorite songs and you know those songs It's
0: one of my favorite too
1: um you know and those singers they weren't the most technically proficient singers but when the groove hit Hmm. and they were singing if y'all a little off it don't even matter because we all dancing that's the energy of the song and the message so i i hear you ain't ain't got the right notes you good
0: Thank you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Now we're going to go into a lightning round because we're about to wrap up the interview. We're at the last 15 minutes or so, 10, 15 minutes. Um, I'm going to give you a question. I, I need an answer. Just shoot, shoot, short, brief, quick answer because I have a lot of questions that the listeners want the answers to. Okay. I'm starting with how many instruments did you play in the beginning?
1: Uh, at least four. What for? Keys, sax, bass, and brass, especially. I tried that French horn. That was the worst.
0: Wow. I want to ask you why, but we could save that for the next show. Uh-huh. What is your next favorite instrument after the saxophone? Bass. How many prior albums?
1: Four. Um, You have reached Mike Phillips, number one. Number two, Uncommon Denominator. Number three, MP3. Number four, Pulling Off the Covers. And July 8th will be self-titled album, Mike Phillips.
0: Love it. Now, this may not be a short answer, but what's your relationship with Nike? Nike
1: oh man, I was the first ever musician to do a shoe deal with a um, shoe companies, um, specifically um, Brand Jordan. So Michael heard me and some of the executives were like, hey man, we should sign him to a contract. And through that, it was a great partner. It's still a great partnership. And I designed the Air Jordan 17. You now all of the ones come out with numbers. So the 17th installment of the Air Jordan something I helped design they had music notes on it and um yeah it's the reason why I'm so proud about it because I played basketball in school I wanted to play basketball but my love for music trumped basketball and when I stood there and I signed that contract with Nike I was like wow I Mm -hmm. left basketball alone I left sports alone and I'm full circle right back yeah. in love. So man, I couldn't be any happier with being a part of the brand and um what they're doing in the community and also being wired into Michael Jordan's and all of his competitive friends to really understand when I hang out with Mike, yo, as soon as I leave him, I'm ready to practice. I'm ready. It's just something about being around people that are driven on that level that make you want to take everybody's lunch money
0: yeah i told you you've had the best freaking mentors you've had all of these cleaners michael jordan stevie wonder prince um you just had so many michael jackson it's just you've had the best mentors and we haven't spoken about your your other mentor we'll get there we'll get there um, what was your first musical trip out of the country?
1: Oh, a jazz competition in Europe. Um, yeah, the um, Creative Arts Center. Yeah, they had this trip and my mama didn't have no money. And then all of a sudden they got, I guess, some sponsors paid for it. And I was there. I loved it. And then I turned right back around after that. And Stevie Wonder asked me to play with him in South Africa mm. so at yeah. what age what oh age I was um just turned 18
0: oh my gosh you have had a life the universe God has been so good to you
1: that's why I can't I can never be ungrateful even in my bad days and the things that I can complain about I got to watch and tread, tread lightly as it pertains to how, you know, grateful I'm not. Cause I always have to be.
0: Yeah. Mike, what's your favorite sport to play?
1: Oh man, it gotta be golf. I, I was I, about
0: to say, you better give me the right answer here. <laughs> Mike is a hell of a golf player. guys. he's a hell of a golfer.
1: I'm trying, you know, this. Two types of people that play golf: a person that's been humbled and a person that's about to be. So the journey it's <laughs> always it, you, it's it's never ending, but I love it. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Very competitive and a very mental sport. Very mental.
1: Golf will have you talking bad to your own self. Yeah, I, I think. Yes. Um, yes. yes. I think therapists would work more. All they got to do is just hook up with somebody after a round. I can't believe I did. I, I'm talking to myself. I'm missing the putt. You dummy. I mean, the stuff that, <laughs> that I be saying to myself are, is so wild on the golf course.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. How do you motivate someone who feels inept, who's ready to, to quit, who feels they can't keep up, how do you motivate someone who feels at a loss? Like they can't make something happen. What do you say I, to that person?
1: I would go back to what you said earlier on that "I" in the brain love. So that "I" is extremely important because you have to connect them to the power of their own worth. You know, mm. like, like showing them And through example, and through helping them and willing them through, and to the understanding of, man, like, if you're worth that much, and you can connect with that eye, then not only you can connect with it, but you can allow other people to connect with it. But it's just like the airlines, they say, put your mask on first before you help anybody else. So, Mm-hmm. My thing is that to get you motivated is to really connect you back to the worth of your existence and why God had made you so special
0: yeah, you know what comes to mind for me I am somebody
1: <laughs> i you know we we might joke about that, but that that is the quintessential example of connecting with something that's going to allow you to love yourself and um be there for others in that process yeah
0: yeah yeah all right we're wrapping up i'm going to take it back to the album again what is the next single from the album
1: um the next single is a as a tribute to my mentor who is the um, president of the 100 Black Men of America. Um, I've known him for over 20 years. And Mr. Thomas W. Dortch is such a great friend. I've learned so much. And just like you said earlier in the interview, uh, mentorship, whether um, disseminating information or absorbing it is something that is highly regarded. Yeah. So. I wanted to told just... you
0: you have the best mentors. You have you have like a, a hand of spades. You have mm-hmm. a hand of freaking spades, man. We Go not, ahead. I'm sorry I interrupted you.
1: No, no. It's all good. I mean, we're not playing when it comes to seeking out information. I'll never forget there was a guy working in the studio. He had this big question mark. He had a question mark on his forearm. And he was a younger guy. I was like, okay. And I pulled him aside. I said, why do you have that big question mark on your arm? He said, Mr. Phillips, it's a reminder that I'm one question away from getting the answers that I need about anything. Damn it. I was like. Dropping those gems. Man, listen. I was like, then that's why you got to keep knowledgeable, good-spirited mentors around you. Because they will be the key to to answering the next question and and what that young guy told me is I don't care how old you are and I don't care how accomplished you are never stop the questions Mm -hmm. and that's why he has it tatted on his forearm so yeah so these mentor mentors and keeping them around are good, but I'm always asking questions. If I'm with Michael, if I was with Prince, if I'm with Tommy Dortz, the questions are always flowing because it is the perfect opportunity to absorb information, which is key to growth.
0: Hmm. I love that brain love. I'm loving the brain love here.
1: What's the release
0: date again for the album?
1: um release date is july 8th july 8th um self-titled album mike phillips um we will have the link here so click Uh on that link you can pre-order the album and you know stream it if you want but i i like buyers you know like you know i buy the album get the cd and i'm gonna make sure vinyl is happening too because you know what
0: oh shoot yes bring it back
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm bringing back the vinyl because you know what? Nobody okay. should be a slave to the quality of music you can get based on your internet connection.
0: Yo, yo, and just how that, that record was spin. Remember the needle? Ooh, the noise
1: the noise off of the needle.
0: Baby, yes, yo. yes, 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 yes. All right, guys, the, the link for the album is posted here in the verbiage. You got the release date. Um, you're gonna get that album guys. If you've never seen a live show with Mike Phillips, you are missing out. He was here in South Florida at Jazz in the Gardens. He was at the Red Rooster, which we know is a historical location. You will be placed in a trance. I mean, there is magic that takes place. And I am not just saying this. I have seen him several times live and I'm always in a trance, I can tell. When, when someone has a God-given talent, you must see this man live. Mike, oh, wow. what would you tell yourself at 21?
1: 21. Man, I would, I thought hanging with different cliques. There's one group of musicians that did this and then another musicians that did that, but then these guys didn't really talk to those guys. And when you're, When you have your head on a swivel trying to figure out what to do, stay true to yourself, you know, and, and, and the crowd isn't for your, it it isn't conducive to your growth, putting your head down and understanding the things that you have to do without moving in the hype crowd will speed up the process of the things you need to do and the things you need to learn. So yeah, if I can go back backwards, I'd be like, Hey, Mm -hmm. you don't need them. You don't need them. What you need to do is stay focused. I was focused on being a part of a crew that I think I lost time in growing because I was looking for some comfort from a perspective of just, um, you know, just a crew, you know, it's like anything, you know, like you out in LA, you banging, you know, it's either the Crips or the Bloods, you know, in Chicago's the Decepticons, everybody's looking for something to kind of like call home. And I think, you know, sometimes we got to make sure that we really put perspective that you don't really need that. You need that I, which is in again within the, which is in brain love, to really understand that you got to go some roads alone. Mhm. Mhm.
0: Whew. All right. You know what? I'm giving you that as the last word.
1: Well, I like it. I like. I like the, I like it too. Thank you for. Um... I appreciate number one, and I'm, you know, sometimes I have a comedic spin on things, but this is extremely serious. Um, as you see, all of these things that are happening in the world, um, trauma that's probably five, six generations strong and still rolling with no sign of stopping. Um, we need um, people like you in our community. We need these shows. We there is a it's necessary that, you know, the work you do on YouTube and the shows that you have and the podcast, that we disseminate the information that is critical for one's mental health. I mean, you guys have been standing in the gap. Imagine how many more mass murders there would have been if the mental health community as a whole didn't stand in the gap and talk a couple people off of the ledge and got people's mind, right. You know, you can't save everybody, but I applaud, um, the mental health, um, workers all over the world in this country to really, um, especially when it comes to mental health as it pertains to people of color, because there's a different type of trauma and, nuances that come with it and Mm -hmm. i grew up with i grew up in church so if you sought out mental health um and if you sought out a mental health expert then number one you know god can solve all of it number two you're mentally weak and number three you just not strong enough stop acting like Mm -hmm. a punk you can just fight through it so those those are the things in our community so Thank you for being on the front line, for changing that narrative so we can all feel comfortable and knowing that a little bit of vulnerability as it pertains to understanding that we need um, professionals like you to help us through the things that we need. is extremely important. So I'd like to thank you and everybody that's in the trenches like you.
0: Well, thank you for those flowers, Mike. We we appreciate it. Shout out to my staff at DRT Behavioral Services, Brain Love. Shout out to all the mental health professionals out there Camille, doing this. Neil Banks yes. Lee. Um,
1: yeah. Man, so many people I could just name off the bat. Y'all out here just making sure that this world doesn't go to the dagger or disintegrates.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. Pulling us back from the sun.
1: Yes. For real.
0: Well, guys, you have been on the couch with the cleaner, Mike Phillips and myself. Um, Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us on the couch. Please, please, please go and buy this man's album. It will change your life. It's bringing music back where it needs to be. He's making that connection between the hip hop and the jazz. And as I said, it's a God-given talent. Everyone should have. Everyone should see a live Mike Phillips show. Thank you, Mike, for being here.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate you.
0: I want to hear you say brain love.
1: Okay, let me let me say it. You want it in my Prince voice or Michael Jackson?
0: <laughs> okay, let's do Michael Jackson first.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Brain love.
1: <laughs> okay, let me do it in Prince. Prince.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Brain love.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Brain love, you can drown yourself in the waters so of Lake Minnetonka with your little brain love.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> now say it as Mike Phillips.
1: Simple brain love.
0: All right, y'all. It's the end of an episode. Thank you guys for joining me on my couch. It's been a pleasure. It's Dr. Delvina. Remember, every day you must have brain love. Balance. You can't have all work and no play, and you can't have all play and no work. Reframe. Reframe your negative thinking. Think positively. Avoid negative people. Inside, everything you need, it's inside of you. Look inside yourself. Needs. Know your needs. Your needs come first, not everyone else's. Limitations. Limit your expectations of yourself. Ownership. Own your mistakes, learn from them, and move on. Vengeance is not yours, it's the Lord's. Express yourself. Every day, meaningful communication. Don't go to bed angry. And that's been my show, guys. Brain love. Thank you.